All right, welcome back, guys and ladies. Uh, thanks for joining me for another week. Um, just want to uh, just say that I'm grateful for each and every one of you that listen, uh, that tune in each and every week. Uh, this week, I'm excited about this week. This is my first guest uh, here with Lane Vernum. Vroomin. Vroomin. Dang it. I knew I was going to butcher that. I should have asked before. I've heard it done worse, so I'll give you that. (laughs) All right. I knew I should have asked beforehand. So Lane is a good friend of mine. I met him several years ago uh, in recovery groups at the church at Cross Point where we go. Uh, So, and we've uh, we've hit it off since then. Um, And he's been a big part of my recovery and helping me through life and and meeting with me um, on occasions to uh, to help get me uh, through some challenges in my life. So, with no further ado, Lane, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, uh, super excited. So, this is my first one, so uh, we'll figure out at the end how it went. So, <laughs> here we go. So, the first question I want to ask, or just kind of give us a background, kind of your story, mm-hmm. um, you know, real quick. Okay, yeah. All right, real quick, gives me some helpful parameters. (laughs) Okay, so I was raised in the church as a child. I had a stable upbringing. Um, uh, Again, my family brought us to church Sunday to Sunday. And so I had some exposure to to the Christian church, exposure to the gospel. Um, But as I got older... Uh, none of that found root in my life at that point. And so at about 17 or 18 years old, uh, I just kind of started to go wayward, as we say within the uh, Christian vernacular, I guess. Um, experimenting with different drugs, m- mostly just uh, marijuana. That's where it started. And so it was all very recreational. Um, up until then, I was a I was in youth groups. I was just, uh, I was by the book. I was a rule follower. So as I got older, um, that definitely changed. So I ended up, okay, yeah, I'm really going to try and abbreviate some of this. I had ended up uh, networking with a gentleman. Um, It started off by me watching his his kids for a little bit. At that point, I worked at an elementary school and after school program. started watching his kids. Then I turned into a personal assistant. Then he invited me into a company he had founded for software and supply chain consulting. So I started off by doing cold calls um, and kind of worked my way up to different levels of opportunity. So this gave me a different exposure to, um, to partying, but also the guise of being able to be uh, productive and, and have the, let's say, the exterior shell of someone who is fruitful and successful in, in, in the world's eyes. I was hanging out with um, influential people, and I'm, I'm doing this little air quote for those of you that can't see my hands. Uh, people who had founded businesses, people who were successful, people who made a lot of money. And so I then too, um, in as I grew in business, was able to make more money and do things like that. So, so I lived... Uh, I just lived it up. We we went to nice restaurants. Um, we partied, yada yada yada. Okay, so years go on. So what starts off as recreational 
becomes completely domineering in my life, right? I like it. It was no longer fun, you know, as the years passed. It was managing <laughs> withdrawals. It was managing, you know, it was just always getting through a situation to make sure I felt the way I felt like I needed to feel. Um, so large, I was definitely, uh, alcohol was my, probably let's say my largest uh, addiction if we were to triage that, but any other recreational drugs, marijuana. And so it got to the point where I would, I would experience withdrawals and, and DTs um, if, I, if I didn't have alcohol. So, so as I'm, I'm taking the, the uh, expeditious route of telling this story, I ended up in a place in my life where the business opportunities came crashing down around me. I had um, severed certain relationships that had given me an opportunity to grow and I had left with a different company. Um, we weren't closing business, so we had to close the doors. And for me, I had no education. I had um, really no other value I could add to any other company. It was really just kind of dependent on the networking I had done. So there came a point when, when my business partner and I just had to kind of go in different directions. And so there I was, no education, no job, uh, and a lot of, of addictions to, to manage and to deal with. So during that time, I was very lost and kind of looking for uh, purpose and direction and um, really, I, I think, hope in a lot of ways. So I, I had a friend that, that had planted a church and he would always invite me to be a part of this church plant. And I always said no, because it just weirded me out. Like I, I, at that point, I had been away from the church for so long that it felt like a very foreign and strange place to be. So this guy, though, his name was Phil, and he was relentless. This dude would blow me up. He would leave me voicemail. And I know he had better things to do, too. So the fact that he continued to, to reach out to me, it, it, it you know, kind of wore me down. And so I started to visit this church. And because of my past experience in church, I knew how to kind of fit in. I knew how to talk the language and, and act like I was involved in community, all the while living a very uh, double life, if you will, e even to the point of having to manage um, – withdrawal symptoms before going into a in, into a church service so drinking before I did all that but you know I had I had my, my rituals and and kept everything very close to my chest um well there came a day where they uh they were asking for volunteers to help do landscaping around around the church and so this one day I went to the church to mow the lawn um, with my roommate at the time who was doing some edging and stuff. So again, long story short, I, I get this lawnmower stuck under the front bumper of a van that I'm trying to mow under. Like I'm just trying to kind of mow under the van because the van had been stationary for a long time. So the weeds were growing up. Well, the gas cap of the lawnmower gets stuck under the front bumper and so this is an older lawnmower, so no blade clutch. And so, and I think some of you probably already know where this is going. It doesn't end well. Um, so the lawnmower stuck. I, I go to grab the back right tire and the front left tire to to yank it out while it's still running. Well, when I go to reach in for the left tire, um, two of my fingers under on my left hand slid under the blade shield. And I severed um, two of my fingertips on my left hand. So there's a reason I say this. It's uh, 
I definitely don't, I don't, don't think that in isolation is very cool. I do think it's cool how, how the Lord worked it out. Um, so I'm at this point in my life when I've already said I have no job, I have no prospects within business, I have no money, and, and I had all of this stuff. And now I've got this deep insecurity, right? Because uh, for someone who put a good bit of uh, value in my looks and my appearance and how other people um, received me, I I was now insecure. I'd cut off my fingertips, right? So I, I literally feel like the biggest loser. I I feel like I was a waste. And um, and again, now I've got this new insecurity with my left hand looking different. Are people going to look at it? And so it was a journey, but it was during that time and my the lowest moments in my life, the the deepest depth of just humiliation and despair which is where I found Jesus. And it was at that point when I was freed up for myself because it freed me up from my own ego. The background, I didn't, I didn't have to have money. I didn't have to hang out with these people. I didn't, it was okay that I was a loser because Jesus loved me. And, and I knew he, he sought to redeem and to use my story. So at that point, life changed for me in significant ways. Um, it was a process, but I got sober. This is at 20... 27, 26. Are you trying I'm, to do math? Yeah. I, and, I, I, and all of the, anytime I reach back into the, like the, the cloudiness of my past, I, I'm always just kind of shooting with dates because it's not really accurate in some, in some ways. But so I'd never gone to school. So I go to school. I, 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 I go to school initially for business management because that's where my background was. Um, but then felt uh, the Lord uh, really calling me towards vocational ministry. Like I know that we're all called as, as followers of Christ to, to, to the mission field, but I felt vocationally called. So went to school in South Georgia, moved in with my parents at 27. So at 27, right? And so you want to talk about loser material. It was all there, but, <laughs> but it was okay because I, it actually felt like I was taking the steps that, that God wanted me to take. And so I didn't need to have to maintain any sort of a look or, or I didn't care what people thought because, again, I, I knew that I was taking steps and in, in obedience. So went to school, uh, started an internship here at Cross Point City Church um, as I was wrapping up my school, finished uh, my last year remotely. And then, yeah, plugged in to here at the church within groups at first and then. Uh, our hospitality, which was called Connections at that point, and then I've had more opportunity with pastoral care and now to the point of being able to preach, uh, you know, five years later. So that, in a nutshell, is is my story. And a good preacher at that, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he's done, he spoke many times for James here, and uh, he really does a good job, a great job. Thank you. Um, couple of things I want to touch on that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you started recreational. Mm-hmm. Um, when, at what point did you feel the transition from when it stopped being recreational or did you like find yourself in the middle of it and look back like, Oh crap, how did I get here? I, I think, I think the latter, like at, at some point there wasn't like this acute moment where it's like, okay, I'm transitioning into something that was fun on the weekends or just kind of like this escape into holy cow i'm i'm just managing so many addictions in my life it's exhausting i don't know when that took place but i did i do know that at some moment i looked back and thought 
wow, this isn't even fun. Or yeah. or I know that this is at least starting to get dangerous. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that kind of gave me goosebumps because I think for my story, I found myself that way. And I think a lot of people um, that, that suffer with addiction and, and go through recovery and stuff, I think they can all relate to that, that, you know, they do feel like, oh, because I remember I just did it on the weekends when I was in school right. and, you know, and it turned out, you know, just on parties. And the next thing I know, I'm at school, you know, drinking a fifth of liquor, passing right. under the, the stall. So, you know, it and you look back and you're like, oh, crap, how did I get here? Right. And so and I think we can uh, a lot of people can relate to that and, um, and and know that, you know, you're not alone, that 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 you find yourself in, in a dark place and trying to figure out how you got there. But the important thing is to realize that you're there and, and to work your way out of right. it. Um, and, and don't feel bad about moving in with your parents at 27 because I was 35 and had to do it. So don't. No, hey, yeah, no. thank you. That actually, that, that definitely makes me feel better. So there, I don't even know if you're 35 yet. So I, you know, maybe 30, you're still 30, old. 34, not yet. So I feel, I definitely feel better. So there you go, man. So don't feel bad about that. And, um, and you talked about the, your church background and I can, you know, and I've shared with my story of my, my dad being a preacher. So, you know, it's easy when you grow up in a church to learn that lingo that language and i'm supposed to behave this way on sundays and or whatnot so uh and i I think a lot of people get caught up in that so i think you did touch on this but um as far as a turning point for you was it the cutting your fingers off and that was kind of the right and it was a season so again not this one i can't think of this one concise moment where it's like man then it hit it was like a span of, of months, um, that that kind of happened. So, but yeah, it, it was after that. And again, in, in that humiliation and that despair that, that the change really happened. Um, Oh, I know what I was thinking about a while ago. So, all right, tell, we'll get going, but I just thought about this. I want to mention it before. So tell me about the hot dog soup. Oh my God. <laughs> I won't ever forget that, dude, but you've got to tell people it's out there now. Yeah, that's unfortunate. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I went back in back in the the dark days. uh, I I would go to a lot of uh, concerts and music festivals and and my shtick or whatever was to dress up as a hot dog. (laughs) Normally with like purple skateboarding shoes, and so uh, yeah. That, Don't forget that's the mustard. What that, and yes, it was it was a it was a hot dog costume with one singular line of mustard running down the front. That was uh, that was my deal. And I, yeah. Sorry, I embarrassed him. I knew. That's, I'm, I'm blindsided I mean, him with that one. It's, that's that's real. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is real. Though. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So talk to me uh, about. Are there some routines, procedures that you have in place that kind of help you maintain your sobriety, your recovery? What do you have in place to kind of keep you in check? Yeah. So for me, like I was even telling you before we started recording, my my background was not the traditional uh, recovery story where I went to an AA or NA or found a community of people that were starting to walk in recovery and sobriety. Mine was a radical act of God. And so for me, my steps and my structure are um, my devotional life with God. Am I spending time in his word? Am I spending time in community? Am I spending time in prayer? Because uh, I always had to have something 
deeper driving change and and it was always heart change like that that's what i needed and so um so and and then and then structural things so so i don't want to over spiritualize it there were elements so keeping a uh keeping a consistent sleep schedule was big for me um i just that that helped me mitigate temptation and um and like staying up wasn't helpful so i, I remember i'd go to sleep earlier i'd get up earlier um, I started to exercise on a more routine basis because the reality for me is I still am kind of an all or nothing kind of a guy. So I, I've st I'm still wired like that. So I got to the point where I would run a lot. Um, I'd go to the gym some, but I'm really, I'm really a runner at heart. Um, yeah. So th those are kind of the practical spots, but, but I feel like the, the, the boundaries and the ways that I've continued to to zealously defend my sobriety and recovery is my my growth in in my love of of Jesus and the love of his church and so I'm in small groups and um, I believe being known is incredibly important so yes the addiction is a component of it but especially within addiction it's always looking to to shift to other things and to manifest if it okay well if it was a substance and then it moves to pornography or it moves to whatever it is right that's so unless we fill that hole with something meaningful um which for me was was my faith in in christ then i think you always just look to to fill in whatever way um so that, that's ultimately kind of what helps yeah and you're, you know, you're definitely onto something with that when you say like it can shift because there is that void. And I've talked about it in before uh, on here, you know, that I filled it with my faith and, mm -hmm. you know, that void. And, and it is. I mean, it's easy to stop doing one thing and then you, you catch something else that may be a crutch that ends up leading you back to right. the original, you know. Right. Um, the the original addiction, but it, it is very easy to shift and think, you know, well, I've overcome that. But then next thing you know, I know I talk about shopping on here. We talked about pornography, stuff like that. Like it, it can shift yeah. if we're not careful. And I love um, something I never really thought about, but a uh, sleep schedule. Mm -hmm. um, that's interesting that you said that because um, I, I don't think I've ever thought about a sleep schedule. And for me, my, my drug of choice was mess. So I mean, that could have been a huge part because I stay up all the time. So, you know, for people who, who suffer, or even when you drink and you drink late at night. My dad always said nothing good happens after 12, right. which is stuck true to this day. I've yet to prove that saying wrong, but um, I, I think that's critical and definitely exercise. I haven't made it to the exercise part yet, yeah. but I'm, I'm getting there. Well, and, It's and, in my mind. I'm yeah. thinking about it. I just yeah. haven't put it in place. Well, yeah, and, and I, I, do, I think it looks different for different people, but there is just a different – we're more vulnerable to temptation. It's like uh, going to the grocery store when you're hungry. It's just not a good idea. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so like if, you, if you're going to be bored, if you're going to stay you're, – you're kind of inviting in um, – opportunity to slip and, and to fall. And so, yeah, it, again, that looks different for different people, but, but yeah, knowing yourself and, and the times that you're, you're more tempted or the triggers and, and your environments are all very important within yeah. those steps. So, yeah, that, that's, that would be, if this was in, that'd be a great segue because next week, um, I plan on talking about when we're our most vulnerable Okay, yeah, and, and in, in, you know, in the rooms, they talk about HALT acronym, Hank, Hungry, angry, lonely, right. tired. That's, that's so all. Okay. Hungry, yep. 
So that, that's next week's podcast. I'll just give you a little uh, glimpse of what that's going to be about. But times that we're vulnerable um, and the things that, that we're most susceptible to, you know, f- you know, tripping up and, and find ourselves somewhere where we shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, when you were talking a while ago, you did mention about, like, you're all-in, all-out kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, that's the name of the podcast. You're either all-in or you're all-out. Okay, yeah. So yeah. that's that's been my – I'm the same way. I'm wired that same way. Yeah. I, I either go all in. I can't find that. There's no middle ground for me. It's either one or the other. Like there's no. (laughs) That's right. uh, I I sure. uh, I'm the exact same. So, um, support group, Mm -hmm. mentors, sponsors. What do you have in your life? A couple weeks ago, I did one where I listed seven things for people to look for in a mentor Mm -hmm. or trying to help find a support group and kind of. I know it's kind of vague. I, I haven't narrowed it down, but kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, when I when I was first walking in recovery, because again, I, the the addiction is is primarily what I had to put to death. But for different people, it's always a battle with sin at whatever level. So for me, it was drugs and alcohol. For someone else, it's it's greed or it's it's it, it, the list goes on and on. So what I care what what the qualifier was for me was other people that love Jesus who are pursuing him because then out of that organically you're going to have a pursuit of holiness you're going to have a pursuit of, of purity you're going to have a pursuit of putting death to sin so for me I didn't um it wasn't uh topical the way that I hung out with people it was just like I knew that these people were were getting up every day and fighting a battle mine might look distinct and different but but I just need brothers and sisters alongside me doing the same. So for me, it took place largely in in small groups. And then uh, I would have mentors. I, I would say early on, it would be it would be the that pastor that I was um, that I was talking about. But the one I, wearing you out, calling yeah, you, texting wait, wait, yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. So when I had, I, I really valued that time. And then as I've gotten um, older, I've I've definitely appreciated learning from from sages, but. Early on, and, and the way that I did it is not prescriptive. In fact, it was it was an act of God, and um, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody else. So I do totally understand, like within the AAs, and and it, like getting a sponsor and getting people who who can help guide you, um, who you can confess to, who can hold you accountable. So like. Uh, those are valuable components that I just didn't really have per se, um, but I definitely see them being as, as, as hugely beneficial. So that's good. And I've always said, uh, another, one of my dad's quote, you are who you associate with. So that's right. surround your people, yeah. well, surround and, yourself and, with and people. On, and, and on that note, it, one of the f- first steps within my recovery, I, there are people that I still love dearly to this day. And there's, there's a, a line to walk in between. You don't want to detach from friendships that, for me, give you an opportunity to share the hope of the gospel, while at the same time not being disillusioned to think, well, I'm going to bring this light into the darkness. Well, maybe that darkness is going to overwhelm my light and just suck me back in. So I very, I had to be very careful with who I hung out with and the places I went to. Uh, there were places that had just all sorts of associations and people that were the same. And so my community took a radical shift when I did that. Um, and that, that, that really is important because I get maybe if you're a few years into your recovery and sobriety going back and what, but I, I really would caution people as to, um, 
as as to maintaining those relationships if you used with people in the same ways because it's uh it takes one moment of weakness to get pulled yeah. back in and so yeah you hang out in a barber shop long enough you're gonna get a haircut that's right that's what i tell people that's... all the time and i like what you're talking about when you said you know overcome you know that darkness can overcome the light you know i've used the example in here that you know it's easier to be pulled down than it is you to pull somebody up, like right. the analogy of standing in a chair. Right. And what's easier for you to be pulled out of the chair, or for right. you to pull somebody up in the chair? Right. So, and 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 I and I think that there's there's an important point there too, because especially even within Scripture, uh, everything is rooted in community. So from salvation to our like, it's never just about us. So if you are going to maintain those relationships, maintain them in community, so that your brothers and your sisters can help give you support and strength that you just don't have in isolation. So I. I I think that's the difference um that 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 yeah, yeah. can be that that's awesome advice that's yeah. um i really like that I don't, I don't think i've used that or said that but i really like like that because um because you you don't you, you do want to help but you also don't want to put yourself in a situation that can exactly. end badly for you but having having that support group or people around you and do it as a community that's right uh that, that's awesome advice and that, that was one of the last questions like advice to the listeners that that was a good one anything else you want to leave them with? I just, I think I feel led to say that there's a big, big, big difference in behavior change and heart change. Behavior change for me is not sustainable. You know, you might get a few days, a few weeks, a few months and but I believe there has to be something deeper and something of eternal significance to actually change your heart and to transform your mind. And I believe that it is only through Jesus Christ himself that can bring this change. I think we look to hundreds or thousands of other things and they're always going to leave you desiring something more um, in, unless it's Christ himself. So – so that's what I want to say. Yes, it's about being healthier. Yes, it's about ditching bad habits. Yes, it's about not hurting others. But uh, your story is one that God wants to not just help you get over and forget about. Your story is the one that God wants to redeem and to use as a platform to share the hope of the gospel to a world that needs him so desperately. That's what I want to say. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um all right, so we're going to end with this. This is what I decided to do. I listened to it from some other podcasts. Uh, I can't remember exactly who did it, but he called them. Uh, he don't do it anymore. I think it's Greg Kershaw used to do it, but I could be totally wrong. Um, and if I am, sorry. But uh, it's called Rapid Fire Questions. Okay. So I have four questions that you don't know that's coming unless you've been reading my notes over here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> So here they are, off the cuff, favorite book. Other than the Bible. Yeah, that one. That's cheating. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's. Do you read? I do read. <laughs> read reading is is incredibly important to me. I um. I would say, uh, now I can't even fully remember the name. I think it's uh. The Way of the Dragon. Is it by I, the Dr. Schwartz? No. Or, no. Um, 
Way of the Dragon. Why do I feel like I've heard I, that? I so heard I, that. there are multiple ones. This one was. Uh, I, I'm definitely not saying the. <laughs> no, look. So I'm looking up the Way of the Dragon, and it's a. A Bruce Lee film. Um, <laughs> Way of the Dragon. Uh, I'm gonna put Christian awesome. Anyway, it, it, it's a very convicting book about uh, the the church and the direct. Okay, so it's called The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. That's right. That was uh, very formative and eye-opening, and that's uh, just kind of about our our uh, reflection of Christ to the world and how it manifests within the church. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted to say that one because that, uh, that was good. Okay. Favorite place to eat? Diets I, I, aside. Huh? Diets aside. Yeah. Um... Dude, these are really good. I I think Christos in Marietta, Georgia. It's Greek food. I'm normally a Mexican guy, but that's they have the that's the euro so or the gyro choose. or however you say it. I love <laughs> I love that. I love the uh, lamb. I love the tzatziki sauce, the feta cheese. The uh, that that's my. It takes me to a place that's just awesome. All right. All right, so you're scrolling through the TV. Mm-hmm. You see uh, a movie's playing. And it's a movie you love, and you've seen it a hundred times, but you'll sit down and watch it. What is it? Gosh. There's... <laughs> I'm trying, because I definitely don't want... There, there are some movies from the dark days that I mentioned <laughs> that I don't necessarily want to champion people for. Look, it's all right. Just as long as it's no you know triple what? X, I, we're good. No, just... <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I, I know that this is probably played out, but I just... Forrest Gump is such a beautiful movie. That is a good one. It's taxing. And, you know, you kind of feel, like, really tired after it because it's... But it is such a beautiful movie. And there's just layers and complexity. So so that one, for me, I think is one that I could watch... um, Over and over. Over and over because it's just... it, It never doesn't grip me. All right, last one. Best advice, what was it and who gave it to you? Maybe I should have gave you these ahead of time. <laughs> I don't know who originally said this. It's kind of stuck with me. Um, but I feel like there's a place for it. Because growth comes from discomfort and a lot of times suffering. But uh, the, the role of a pastor is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. It's mm. good. I like it. Growth comes from discomfort. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Yep, that's... That's un- unfortunately. That's why it'd be easier. If it was like, hey, can we just do this in a way that's uh, easy? So that's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Uh, that's it. Um, cool. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Uh, this has been fun. This is cool for uh, my first one. Uh, I'm glad I picked you. You made it easier. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad I could help. Uh, so awesome, man. All right, guys. So there you go. Lane. Vernum? Vroomin. Vroomin, dang it. I still, 30 minutes later, <laughs> no, I still can't get okay. it right. Again, it's been said worse. Um, <laughs> but yours does closely sound like vermin, which is almost kind of worse. Uh, so yeah. anyway, Lane, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, he is an uh, amazing guy. Uh, he's been good to me and my family and helping me uh, through some time. So uh, appreciate you. 
Uh, tune in next week. Um, like I said, we'll talk about uh, times that we're our most vulnerable uh, state uh, to give you some practical ways to help you through those uh, is the goal next week. But remember, uh, you're either all in or you're all out.